Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good. Hey, listen, man, I want to say on behalf of myself and my family, I know pastor has already said this, but I want to say a big thank you to all of you for uh, being there for my family and with my family and all of you that were able to make it out Wednesday. We know Wednesday at, at two o'clock for a funeral is not necessarily something that a lot of people can get off of work for, but I know many of you were watching online, were able to pray for us throughout the whole process, and I want to say that we greatly, greatly appreciate uh, that very, very much. I want to honor one person who is not here today, um, which uh, is totally understandable, um, but one person who is the rock that has carried our family for the last five years, and that is my wife, Ashley, who is watching us online. So, I appreciate the prayers. I appreciate Pastor Dan calling me up, but that's, that's, that's the real hero in this whole thing. Jabin and my wife are the two people that, if anyone deserves the high five, the hand clap, and the honor, that's, it's those two people, particularly my wife now. And so we just appreciate your prayers, your continued prayers and thoughts and everything else. So thank you guys very, very much. All right. So, hey, listen, one of the things that I don't do well um, is... Uh, I don't mourn well because I'm really bad at making inappropriate jokes at inappropriate times. <laughs> and that that just happened right there, I want you to know is okay. All right? So I want you to know that uh, if, you think you, if you think in your mind you need to come up to me with a sad face on and, and do the whole hug thing and the I'm sorry thing and all that, I'm telling you right now, don't. Okay? I just... just just don't. And I, I, know, I know everyone means well when it comes to my wife. Don't. All right? Um, if you want to come up with a smile on your face and you want to talk about how good God is, we welcome that with open arms. If you want to mourn uh, and you want to do the sad, sulky thing, please do that by yourself and then come up to us with a smile. We know that he is in a better place today. Um, and we know that, G, uh, that Jesus has made him whole today, and we celebrate uh, who Jamin is with Jesus, so do that, all right? It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean we don't have moments where we cry, um, but we have moments where we cry. We don't want you crying on us, all right? I told Justin, I said, over the last week and a half, I have become, <laughs> I've become more offensive to more people over the last week and a half than I have in my entire life. Um, where I, I kind of just want to tell people how we feel um, and some do's and don'ts. And uh, the do is let's celebrate our life here together and remember Jabin the way that we want to remember him, and that's in a celebratory way. Um, and let's move forward with the mission that God has for us, always remembering the hero that he was to us, all right? So that's where we want to do life. And so let's jump into what we have today. Today, I, I wanted to preach to you and I wanted to, I, I remember playing, I played Little League football. Where are my Little League footballers at? Where you got, anyone played like Inslee Chiefs, the Cantoma, any, like any of that stuff? I was a Little League footballer. Here's the problem with Little League football, is they have weight limits. All right, so if you were in a, you had to, you had to make weight every game. And I feel like the weight limits were very unrealistic, mainly because I was at the top of it all the time. And so I remember, uh, I, I remember, man, when I was playing and I was, I was an all-star little league football player. I know that's not really something you brag about, but I was, okay? So whatever. 
And I remember, uh, I mean, I would play offense and defense. I was one of my, like, my coaches loved me. My dad helped coach me in Little League football, Inslee Chiefs on Nine Mile Road. Like, uh, we were an incredible football team. But I remember when I was, uh, when I was playing, I had to make weight. And it was a constant thing about this making weight business, right? And so we would have, I would literally, I think this is like illegal now, but so don't do this to your kids, but we did it to me. Okay. So, but I literally practiced in the summer heat, uh, with trash bags on underneath my pads to try to sweat off weight so that I can make weight on Saturday. And then I would starve myself from like Friday at lunchtime till weigh in on Saturday at 7 a.m. so I could make weight. This is Little League football, folks. Like, we're not getting paid for this. The trophies weren't even that big. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, and so I remember, uh, I remember like going through the process and then there were times where, and then you could only weigh in twice on a Saturday morning. So you would go in and weigh if you were still above the weight. Then I remember my dad, God bless him. He would put me in the car. We would wrap myself in trash bags, arms, the whole, like the whole knot up to my neck and then there's duct tape around my neck. I told you this is illegal. I don't think they can do it anymore. But we would, they would, we would put on trash bags and we would, we would, he would drive me around in the heat with the heater on with no windows down. And we would try to, try to make weight. And I, almost every single time we made weight, I say we, cause he lost as much as I did during this process. <laughs> so I, I remember making, uh, you know, we would go in and we would make weight, but here's the deal. When I, I, you know, I was, I was really, really good in that era of football for me. And then I got to high school and, Eh, I wasn't that I wasn't good. There were just pretty girls around and I could play basketball inside a gym with air conditioning rather than playing football outside. But anyway, so, but I remember uh, there was one particular game. So I was a lineman. So I was a, I was an offensive and defensive lineman and I did some linebacker stuff for you football fans. You know what that means for the rest of you. You can be bored for that part. Okay. It's just, but but I was, uh, so I, I did that. But one of the things about alignment is your job kind of goes unnoticed, right? So you, you don't really, you're not really appreciated the way you should be, but we work really hard on the field, right? But I'll never forget this one game. One time I was, I was playing and there was a fumble. We were really close to the goal. There was a fumble. I picked up the ball and it was like every lineman's dream. Because there was this open tunnel to the end zone, and I was like, now is my moment, right? And so I grabbed that ball, and I felt like I was running so fast. Like, I felt like I was Justin Gatlin fast. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, in reality, I was probably barely moving forward. But, so I got the ball, and I started moving forward, and one of these players jumps on my back. One, like, he goes to hit me. Um, because I barely made weight, obviously I was considerably larger than a lot of the other guys. So this little guy, I don't know what he was doing on the field. He probably just wandered out there, but he jumps on my back and he's on me. And then another guy tries to hit me and I didn't have far to go. And I remember in my mind, it felt like there was two or three guys on my back. There was one guy in front of me and it went from me running as fast as I can to me barely inching along. And as I barely inched along towards the end zone, I remember thinking, I've got to get there. I've got to get there. And as I moved forward and as I inched along with people on my back and these guys hitting me from every angle, 
I remember I inched and I inched and I inched and I finally fell into the end zone to score the only touchdown of my life <laughs> at Inslee Gym. <laughs> I remember after that standing up and going, you know, like then there's the celebration, right? And there, you know, like all the skinny kids can celebrate, but when the fat kid celebrates, that's a celebration. <laughs> People are throwing hot dogs onto the field. No, I'm just kidding. It's out of the way. But, but I remember in that moment celebrating, but it, it was one of those things that looking back on, you learn how to walk tall in the midst of adversity. You learn how to walk tall when things are piling on you and when there's things in front of you that look like they're going to stop you and when life doesn't seem to go your way and when you feel like here you've got this easy tunnel but then that easy tunnel gets blocked and you feel like you can stand up straight but then things end up piling on top of you. Can I tell you something? My personal life right now where we are, that's been difficult. Uh, but that doesn't, just because it seems like my difficulty far outweighs yours, can we all admit that we all have to learn how to walk tall, right? And in Jesus, I just want to go ahead and give you the answer now. In Jesus, we get to walk tall. But I want to give you three steps in the journey that we have to acknowledge. Otherwise, we'll forget what it feels like to walk tall. Let's do that together. Let's start with Isaiah 40, 31. It says this, they're going to throw it up there. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Say new strength. That I mean, that's not the old strength. Can I, help you? Can I help you today? If you're still finding old strength in new battles, you will lose every time. In other words, your hope has to continually be put in the Lord. You can't be relying on what the Lord did last time. You have to be connected to the Lord for what he's going to do this time. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will, say this word with me, run and not grow weary. And then say this word with me, they will walk and not faint. That as we walk tall, we put our hope in the Lord because he gives us new strength. And as he gives us new strength, it is then that we are able to run and not grow weary. It is then that we are able to walk and not faint. Walking tall. Turn to your neighbor and say, walking tall. The first step that I want to give you today, and I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to give you sermon notes. We're going to preach some today. Is that okay? All right. Oh, that's what I figured. This is a nine o'clock crowd. We can preach today. <laughs> the first step that I want to give you is grace. If you're taking notes, if you put it in your phone, if you're writing it on your kid's forehead, whatever you're doing right now, the first step is grace. Because here's what happens in walking tall, because we only walk tall in our confidence of who God is. And we can only be confident in who God is once we've stepped into the moment where Jesus has radically transformed our life. And the way that he radically transforms our life is through grace. This unmerited free gift that Jesus gives us, he gives to us. And as he gives us this grace that we are able to walk out this salvation, what happens is as we stand and as we get ready to walk and in front of us is our sin, in front of us is our guilt, in front of us is our shame, in front of us is all the things that we've done wrong in our life, in front of us is our nature that we can't change on our own. And as we take that first step of grace, 
truth, we get to step over all of this. How many of you are glad that Jesus gave you the first step of grace when he radically transformed your life? So he gives us this first step of grace when we get to step into who we are, this brand new creation. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, for it is by, say this word with me, grace that you have been saved. Through faith, this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Say free gift. This is a free gift that you get. Not by works, so that no one can boast. In other words, you don't get to be confident in yourself about what Jesus has done in you. It's strictly because Jesus chose to do it in you. So, but what happens when we take the first step of grace is we fall into the look back, what I call the look back. Turn to your neighbor and say, look back. Turn to the person on the other side of you you just neglected and say, look back. Say you had to look back at somebody else because you said the wrong thing. Like, look back. The look back And here's the thing, the look back is what happens when we think we've made it. So what happens with grace is we make a step. So we get to step over the sin, the shame, the guilt. Come on, somebody. Like, we get to step over who Jesus saved us from. We get to step over the mess that we ran. How many guys remember the mess? How many guys remember the junk that Jesus pulled you out of? See, the rest of y'all, have you, got, you guys forgot already. That's a, that, that. See, what happens in the look back, if we're not careful, is in the look back, what we'll do is become captivated by what Jesus has radically done in our our life and we'll forget about the journey that still awaits us will become consumed with what he's already done and so as we look back to what he saved us from we become so captivated we become we remember it so well we 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 just stand there and look and we think that because we've made this huge step by the grace of God over what we used to be we neglect the journey that sits in front of us Can I tell you something? I believe that is why a huge portion of people today never step into the freedom that God has for them because they feel like they've made it because they have been forgiven of their sin, but they never actually make it because all they do is remember their sin. So rather than thinking about who they can become, all they do is focus on who they used to be. Oh yeah. That's good stuff. Right? Oh, no, no, no. I, you can keep that. I had to ask for it. That's not even good. No, listen. Like, like, listen, we... The reason why I think a number of people never become free, the reason why I think a number of people never actually become who God has destined for them to be is they actually lose the connection with the pursuit. They stay connected to the past. Who is Jesus to you? He saved me from my sins. Yeah, 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 but who is he to you? But he's the one that saved me from my sins. No, 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 but who is he to you? See, Jesus is a multifaceted, multidimensional, ever-changing, yet ever-the-same person whose wits are wider and heights are higher, whose depths are deeper than we can ever comprehend or imagine. God is bigger than anything that you can think of. So to narrow him down as just the person that saved you from the junk literally robs him from everything he can be in your life. You want to know how to see who you can become? You want to know how to step into who God wants you to be? 
Stop seeing him as what he did and start seeing him as who he is. So we've got to, we've got to step, make the first step, which is grace. Say grace. But it's time we stop looking back. Turn to your neighbor and say, quit looking back. It's time that we step past. Yeah, do we remember where he brought us from? Absolutely. But we only remember where he brought us from in pursuit of where he's taking us. But too many people have put their faith in Jesus and become stalemated by the look back, and they're not even concerned about the pursuit. People come to us all the time and say, how do you do it? Not, not just the last two weeks, the last four years. How have you done that? How, how do you and Ashley keep going? We keep going because we're not looking back at what he did. We're looking forward at what he's doing. I'm staying connected to the God who is ever drawing me, not just connected to the God who just saved me. Because if we only see Jesus as the one that saved us, we never see his true nature as the one that wants to be with us. And the enemy's desire is to convince you that in the grace that you've received, you can never actually be close to God because all he did was forgive you of what you've done, but he doesn't love you enough to draw close to you while you continue to figure out what else you're doing. So while you mess up, while you sin, God's desire is to draw you close and the enemy wants to convince you that Jesus doesn't want to be close to you today even though he forgave you yesterday. And so we step into grace. The second step, the second step is mercy. Turn to your neighbor and say mercy. I notice all y'all looking at the same person over and over again. You don't like the person on the other side of you. Give them my Altoids and talk to them, man. Mercy. And what happens in the second step is now that we've made the first step, which is grace, say grace. Then we step into the second step, which is mercy, say mercy. And as we step into mercy, what we step into is the walk, what I, what I call walking out the journey that draws us closer to the Lord each day. But in mercy, as we draw close to the Lord in mercy, because the only reason we can draw close to the Lord is that he doesn't give us what we deserve. How many, how many of y'all will acknowledge we don't deserve good things from the Lord, yet he continually gives those to us each day. So he continues to give us mercy. And as we step into grace, Jesus gives us grace but then we get to step into mercy. And what happens in mercy is that God continues to sustain us and strengthen us and empower us and love us as we walk out this journey of trying to go after him. But in the journey of going after him, we realize that as we pray and as we seek and as we go and as we try to draw near to Jesus, things happen in our life that he has to continue to give us mercy to navigate the difficulties. The trap in the mercy, because the look back is the trap in the grace, but the trap in the mercy is the settle. Turn to your neighbor and say, the settle. Where we just settle for whatever it is that's there. The settle means that I'm good right here. I'm going to just stay here until Jesus comes for me. I remember the story that, uh, of the guy that was on the roof. Some of you might have heard this. There was, a, there was a flood that comes into town and how fitting for this weekend that we're talking about a flood that's coming into town. I love how everyone in Pensacola freaks out over a thunderstorm now. 
we've created new categories for not such hurricanes. So now we have subtropical storms instead of just tropical storms. I was reading the, reading the information on uh, subtropical storm, what, whoever, out in the Gulf right now. And they're like, there's a chance of over 30 mile an hour winds. Like, that's just a regular Tuesday. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> Sending Jim Cantori down there with his 48-inch biceps. Like, get out of here, man. <laughs> Water's disappearing from Walmart. Gas stations are running out. It's like, good grief. But I remember hearing the story about the guy that was uh, sitting on the roof. And as he sat on the roof, there was a flood and the water was coming up. And so he just said, Jesus, I need you to, I need you to save me. I need you to save me. You, I, I believe you're going to save me. I believe you're going to save me. And, and so uh, a boat came. <clears throat> Actually, I'm sorry, a, a raft came. Some people were on the raft. They said, get in. He said, no, nah, Jesus is going to save me. And they said, oh, okay, and paddled off. And then a boat came. <clears throat> he said, get in. He said, no, Jesus is going to save me. They were like, yeah, okay. So they drove off in the boat, and then a helicopter, the water's coming up, and it's past the roof now. So it's, it's really getting up there, and as he sits on the roof, a helicopter comes, and they scream through the little horn thing, and they're like, get on the ladder. And they were going to pull him up, and he says, no, Jesus is going to save me. Anyways, the water gets so high that he dies. And he gets to heaven, and he says, Jesus. He, gets, he stands there in front of Jesus, and he says, I, th- I thought you were going to save me. What happened? He said, I sent you two boats and a helicopter, you moron. What else you want me to do? <laughs> and can I tell you something? That I believe many of us are waiting for Jesus to come get us through something when Jesus, us, when Jesus is calling us to go through something. And we're, we're waiting on Jesus to come carry us like infants. And Jesus said, no, 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 I'm on the other side of that waiting for you to come to me. See, we, we tend to think that Jesus has forgotten where we are in the settle. Because here's what happens in the settle. In the settle, we become more concerned with the practice than we do the pursuit. Here's what I mean by that. It is in mercy, it's when we get to experience mercy that we become too religious. Turn to your neighbor and say Religion. In mercy is when we become too religious. We get more concerned about the practice of our faith than the pursuit of our faith. So I'm a, we, we practice going to church. We practice reading our Bible. We practice worship. We practice, and we do all this thing. Can I tell you, there's nothing wrong with the practice. We need the practice, okay? So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We need to do these things. But what happens is we become more concerned with the practice than we do the pursuit of who the practice is for. And so we, we practice my faith by going to church, but only as long as it fits my preferences. Oh, you know, I don't like the carpet they put in over there. So I'm, I'm just, I'm going to go pick a new place to practice. Oh. Well, they don't. They, I, I'm, I like to practice worship, but they don't really do the songs that I like, or, or they do them a little too loud, so I'm going to go practice my faith somewhere else. So you done got too worried about the practice, and you lost the pursuit. So you made worship about you, but it's supposed to be about Jesus. Oh, I'm not done. 
See, we, 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 we practice my faith by posting things on social media about the way I wish I felt rather than the way that I could actually feel, but I don't feel like giving that situation to Jesus enough to help him make me feel that way. Mm. I'm going to practice my faith by praying more, but what I really mean is by complaining to God about all the things that I'm not happy about, but never actually celebrating him when he comes through. See, what happens in mercy is we get locked into the practice and we forget about the pursuit. You see, Jesus is greater than. You, 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 Isaiah 41.10 says, Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And so in mercy, what tends to happen is we become more fixated on the us than we do on the them. We, became, we become more fixated on the us than we do on the him. Well, I don't go to that church because they're just full of people that gossip. Well, you go cash your check at that bank full of people that gossip. I told you, I got a lot more offensive over the last week and a half. But can I tell you something? The one question that I have got more than any other question is how do you do it? How do you stay strong? You want to know how we stay strong? We walk in grace, but more than we look at our grace, we look at mercy. You see, because in mercy, the Lord sustains us, and in mercy, the Lord strengthens us through situations that we cannot control. You see, in mercy, we get to see who God is as he helps us navigate the things in life that we feel like we cannot get through. We feel like that we cannot make it through. We feel like that there is no possible way. God, you look into the heavens, and you throw your fist at God, and you say, I thought you loved me. When you look into the heavens, and you say, you said you wouldn't put more on me than I can bear, but I can't bear this. When you look into the heavens and you tell God that you're not strong enough and that there's no way, there's no possible way that if he loved you, he would let you walk through this. But when he lets you walk through this and all you've done is practice your religion, but you've never been in a pursuit after Jesus, you fall off the bandwagon because you forget who was in control in the first place. You see, when Jesus is the constant in your life, then pain is only a small measurement to the eternity that awaits us, that Paul said there is a glory greater than this that awaits us all, that these small momentary afflictions that we experience on earth are minimal compared to the weight of glory that awaits me. The mercy that God gives me to walk me through my journey is because I realize that, that in, like it says in the book of James, that our life is but a vapor on this earth. It is here today and it is gone tomorrow. My son lived for five years and I might live for 85 years, but to God it's a breath. It's a vapor. It's here today and it's gone tomorrow. The reason that I hold fast to my strength and my courage in a moment like this is because I haven't forgot about the weight of glory that awaits me in the day that I get to meet Jesus. It's not about a practice. It's not about the right songs. It's about who Jesus is to me. It's about walking tall because today isn't the end. It's about walking tall because Jesus gives us courage. 
He sustains us. Are there moments of weakness? You bet there are. Are there moments like two nights ago where we cry? You bet there are. But it's then that I stand up and I grab my Bible and I walk out on my back porch. And I say that heaven and earth may pass away. That everything on this earth may fail. My heart might fail. My health might fail. My little boy might fail. But you, oh God, are the strength of my heart. There is none in this earth that I desire but you. Everything in this earth may pass away. There is nothing in this earth that I desire but you. There is nothing in this world I desire more than you. You are the strength and the portion of my life. And so even when I hurt in mercy, I walk tall because he carries me. I walk tall because he loves me. I ended my speech about Jamin. I spoke at the funeral. I ended my speech with the same thing that I end my prayer with every day. God, I love you. God, I trust you. God, I'll follow you. You are my strength. You are my portion. The reason mercy is necessary is because what tends to happen when we've made it past grace is we think that we've won and we think the battle is over and we think the journey is complete. The third step, I'm gonna give you this, is faith. Turn to your neighbor and say faith. Because after grace and in the midst of mercy, there's one thing that's gonna be tested, it's your faith. In faith, it's about the pursuit. Turn to your neighbor and say the pursuit. In the pursuit, that's when we realize that there is nothing in this world that can stop me from passionately pursuing Jesus in my life. That he is not just my savior, but he is my friend. He is not just my friend, but he is my God. He is not just my God, but he is my keeper. He is my strength. He is my portion. He is my sustenance. He is my father. He is my everything. And if you are going to make it, if you are going to walk tall, if you are going to continue, if you are going to live, if you are going to make it through trials, if you're going to be able to walk towards your end zone with people on your back and things in your way and trials coming against you, if you are going to walk tall, then you are going to walk tall in faith, knowing that you are moving towards the end zone. What is the end zone? The end zone is eternity with Jesus. And if you are going to make it, you are going to make it by faith. Psalms 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me tend to think that God has us running around hoping we land in the right spot. We're going to, you want to try this? Anthony's so excited for this. I had a, had an idea. We're going to try it. We're going to take a page from Furtick's book. Give it a shot. See what you, see what you got there. You guys might, you guys might remember this.
close. Let's try this. Let's try this. I was prepared for this. Y'all ready for this? Here we go. song it was? Anybody know what song it was? It's close. Anybody know what song that was? How many of you guys ever heard, you guys ever heard, I'll, I'll be watching you every breath I take? Y'all, y'all know what song I'm talking about now? Let's try it again. Y'all, can y'all sing it? Okay, let's try it. Let's try it. Oh, there it is. white people were singing police all the black people were singing puff daddy but that's all right listen i I heard the police over here and i heard puff daddy over here i said huh i tossed that at them five minutes before service started that's but here's the here's the difference y'all know the police in police Every, it's every step you take, right? Every move you make, I'll be watching you. Puff Daddy's version, because he, he never wrote a real song. He just took everybody else's, but I'm almost done. And Puffy's version, he, he, and Diddy, P. Diddy, Puff, Puffy, P, whatever, whatever he is now. In his version, he, he had a, it was called, I'll be missing you. And I think that there's something really powerful about that. Because what we, the way we think that God is with us through trials is we think that God sees us the way Sting and the police sang the song. Every step you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. But the reality is, is that Jesus pursues us the way Puff Daddy wrote the song, and that's that I'm missing you. I'm missing you. Every step you take, every move you make, I'm missing you. See, we have to be more captivated by the pursuit of getting back to where Jesus wants us to be. He's missing us. He's drawing us. He's waiting for us. He's ready to carry us. I'm reminded of Daniel chapter 3 where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the fiery furnace. And before they get thrown into the furnace, because see, they recognize that they're gods in grace. In grace, they recognize who they are in God. In mercy, they recognize that there's a chance they're going to have to walk through this fire. 
in faith, they declare that we're not bowing down to that idol. And King Nebuchadnezzar says, if you don't bow down, I'm throwing you in the fire. And they say, in mercy, he will remove us from this or in mercy, he will save us while we're in it. Either way, we're not gonna change what we're doing. We're gonna trust God to carry us through. And the three boys walked tall as King Nebuchadnezzar's men threw them into the fire. But you see, God wasn't just watching them in the fire. He was missing them so much that the Bible says he got into the fire with them. Can I tell you something today? When you walk tall, God doesn't look for a way to remove you from your pain. When you walk tall, you get to see that God carries you through your pain. The Bible is clear, folks. We are not exempt from troubles, trials, pain, situations, circumstances. It's not every day of our life, but if you aren't prepared for it to be part of your life, you will find yourself either in the grace at the look back or in the mercy at the settle, and you will never pursue what God has for you. Can I tell you something today? Listen to your pastor, my friends, as I tell you in the deepest and darkest pain of my life, God's grace saved me. His mercy sustained me. And in my faith, he will take me to higher heights and deeper depths and wider widths than I ever thought possible. I will walk tall in who God is in my life. Are there anyone in here today that you say, that's me, pastor. I'm ready to walk tall. Maybe I've been so focused on where I've come from. I'm not looking where I'm going. Maybe I've gotten past that point, but I I haven't been connecting to the truth that God wants to take me through. And I want to pursue after who God is. I don't want to keep looking in the rear view. I want to start looking out the windshield. And in in faith, I'm going to trust that everything that is behind is behind. And it's time that I look forward towards the mark of the high calling in Jesus Christ. If you are with me, I just want you to stand up across this sanctuary. I believe that the season that God has me in is the season that God has us in. And for some of you, the time of you looking backwards is over and God wants to transform your heart. For some of you, today is the day that you realize that you don't keep paying for your past. For some of you, today is the day that you realize that the only reason you stand here is because God's mercy brought you here and his mercy will carry you the rest of the way. For some of you, you've been bitter and you've been angry at God and you've got questions. Can I tell you something? Surrendering to the Lord doesn't change your questions. It just changes how you ask them. It's no longer God, you, are you God because it's I know you're God and because I know you're God, help me understand this. I wanna pray for you today. I wanna pray for us today that God would help us walk tall in grace and mercy and in faith. You carry us. Father, we're gonna pursue you. Jesus, I pray for every single person here today who is declaring that it is their desire to walk tall. Father, I pray that as you lead us and you steer us and you guide us, as you have shown us through grace that you have saved us, as you sustain our strength in mercy, God, and as you carry us 
in our faith. Father, you help us inch along. God, I pray for the the moments that we are able to make strides, but then God, I pray for the moments where we're barely inching along. But in our strides and in our inches, we're gonna pursue after you. We're not gonna be captivated with just where you brought us from, but Lord, we're gonna be captivated with where you're taking us. Father, we're not going to become so religious that we become self-fixated on our own preferences more than what we, you have for us. But God, we're going to worship the name of Jesus until the last breath has been breathed through our lungs. And Father, we're going to trust God in faith that not only you're not just watching us, but Father, you are with us. We love you today. God, I pray for every person that's in here, God, who's been dealing with bitterness and with regret and with pain, Father, of lost ones or areas of their life they felt should have gone differently. God, they've been angry with you. Father, I pray that you release them right now of those weights. Father, where those that have been angry with you over loss, God, I pray that you bring mercy into their life. Father, that you help us realize that we don't have a judgment to leverage against you. We love you today. We worship you today. We thank you today. If you're in this room and the first step is grace and maybe you're sitting in here and and you're saying, Pastor, I, I want to take every step, but I haven't taken my first one yet. Or maybe I took my first one a long time ago, or I thought I did, but I'm realizing that my life with Jesus has to be transformed. I can't have that strength. I can't have that mercy. I can't have that faith because grace has not changed my life yet. I need to give my life to Jesus. The beauty of the cross is this, that when he died on that cross, he paid the price for your sins. All you have to do today to walk with him. Say, Jesus, I repent. That means to turn away from our sins. And I believe that you are the savior of my life. And that's you today. You say, Jesus, I want to give you my everything. I want grace to enter my life. And I want to walk on this journey with you. Right where you're at, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray for you. If that's you today, you want to give Jesus your whole heart and you want him to change your life, would you raise your hand right where you stand or sit? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands are going up. God bless you. I told you I'm not here to embarrass you. I want to pray for you. I want to give Jesus my everything. I'm tired of walking this journey by myself. I'm tired of feeling like I'm all alone. I need him to transform my life. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And if you're watching us online, you can join us in this part as well. We're going to pray a prayer today. And the whole church is going to pray with you. You're not going to be praying it by yourself. If you believed in your heart that Jesus has transformed you, you are saved. But we're going to declare with our mouth what we believe in our heart. And that is that Jesus has transformed our life. And so we want to invite all of you. The whole church is going to pray this prayer. Let's pray together, church. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my wrongs. Make me clean, make me pure, make me whole. Jesus, I'm tired of walking this road by myself. 
I need you to save me. I need you to change me. I need you to transform me into a brand new person. I want to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps the very first time. Man, we celebrate with you.